Good morning, gentlemen. Good afternoon, Colin. Uh, welcome to our first Ambiente podcast, uh, where we are going to talk about a couple of key subjects uh, with focus on the global uh, food service industry. Uh, I would like to ask you guys just to take a few minutes to introduce you guys to, to people listening, so people have, a, have an idea of where you're from, what you do, and what kind of business you operate. Colin, will you start? Sure. So I'm Colin Reiner from Trenton in Australia. I'm the CEO. I've been in the company for 25 years as of last month. Long time. I don't believe it. You don't know it. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so we're the largest importer for the Horica sector in Australia, and we, we import cutlery, crockery, glassware, servingware, um, tabletop, back of house. We have a, a range which is approximately 9,500 items on stock. And we've been visiting Ambiente. I've, I think I've been to Ambiente 23 out of the 25 years I've been in the company. So we're, we're always on the hunt for new product, new ranges, new brands. Um, yeah. Always looking out for the next best thing or try to try to develop the next best thing, which we've had a, a successful combination and collaboration with many factories and partners where we bring new product to the market, we design new product with our partners, and it's worked pretty well. I'm pretty happy with where we're at. You're based where in Australia? In Sydney, in Sydney, Australia. You, you have other subsidiaries or do you work in, in other countries? So we have uh, showrooms in Perth, Melbourne, and Brisbane. We have a warehousing facility in Perth, which is on the west coast of the country, which gives us dual access points. And we also have a, a salesperson in New Zealand. Okay. Bastian, over to you. We have good coverage. Well, uh, my name is Bastian Becker, um, 34 years of age. Um, our company, APS, is uh, a family-owned and family-run business, uh, now being in, in fourth generation. Um, on product level, we are focusing on front-of-house equipment, everything from buffet, tabletop, and bar, except porcelain, cutlery, and glassware. So that's the focus uh, we are having. We are located in Zunda, which is uh, very much in the center um, of Germany. Um, we are um, a very export-driven country. We export to more than 90 countries uh, around the globe. And uh, usually we are... Uh, an exhibitor at Ambiente, and already my grandfather has been uh, exhibiting here, so we have quite some history in uh, showcasing our products there, and uh, we are very much looking forward to uh, get back to Frankfurt, which is just a two hours car drive from here, and uh, start seeing our international customers um, again. So you can say you're basically born and raised almost at the Ambiente Fair. Well, almost. I remember very well that I think my first visit at Ambiente was at the age of five or six, seeing my grandfather and so on. Yeah. So, but things have changed uh, since then, yeah. luckily. Not only from us as a company, but also uh, uh, from the um, exhibition standpoint. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I've only been there, I think, 15 times, 15, 16 times, so. I'm the novice in this company. So I'm the I'm the senior, and I'm only 42. Yeah, that's amazing, Colin. So <laughs> um, we're also a family-run company. I'm yeah. second generation. Yeah. Ah, cool. So, yeah. 
Um, obviously, the COVID situation is still on everyone's mind uh, and has a huge impact on, on the hurricane industry uh, globally. Um, but the situation varies from, from, from region to region. Um, could, you, could you tell me a little bit about uh, or an update on how it is um, in, in the regions where, where you are based and, and, and where you operate um, and, and what, what impact it has on the hospitality industry? Maybe we go to the guy uh, furthest away from all of us to call in again. Australia has been in a little bit of a roller coaster. Uh, we had the initial lockdowns last year, then we opened up the whole country in September last year, excluding the western part of the country, Western Australia. We still can't go there. Um, and everything was, except Victoria also had quite a bit of problems. They've had six lockdowns. New South Wales, Sydney, where I'm based, which is the biggest city in Australia, was booming up until June. And then uh, there was a, one COVID case came in with a flight attendant and the case numbers exploded. We went into another lockdown um, and then we reopened in October partially and then the second part in November and now this month we've fully reopened. But the, the one interesting point that I say to our staff all the time and the customers is that we're a very resilient part of the market, what we do. Because when things reopen, the restaurants go mental. They, they, there's a lot of places, again, this week it's changed because Omicron, and it's not even Omicron, it's Delta, because we've reopened, cases have grown again. But restaurants are booked up till February. It's very hard in a good restaurant to get a, to get a, a reservation. It's been like that since November. So it's a, I, th I believe we live in a very resilient um, industry and... It's interesting to see that the restaurants are going with more of a, they're, they're all trying to increase their offering and to make it an experience. So we're selling a lot more high-end crockery. We're selling a lot more um, uh, glassware, not the basic stuff. If we look at our basic ranges of glassware, they have definitely <coughs> decreased or, or not even, um, or they're, they're plateaued out. But the better quality glassware and the bar mixology style glassware is booming. We've never done numbers like we're doing. So all the restaurants, because they've realised that they can make money out of cocktails, because a cocktail cost is relatively low and they can charge a fortune for it, they're all doing it. So things things are very up and down. We can't we can't travel to Perth, which is Western Australia. We can travel to other cities, but you've got to have tests, a little bit like Europe. We're sort of staying put. We're not really going anywhere. But we see that the restaurants are crazy busy. We just don't have many foreign tourists. You still can't come into Australia as a foreigner. I think they were going to open the borders on the 15th. I'm not sure if that happened. But Australian citizens and residents are free to travel in and out of the country. And, yeah, I think I just say that we live in a resilient industry because – If I look at what we did in November and December, the, 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 the amount of new places and the confidence in the market, because when things are open, people just want to get together. They want to sit down. They want to have a drink. They want to have a meal together. They want to talk. They want to socialise. And Australia is very much about that. So as Victoria has reopened now in the last six weeks, it's 
there are some restaurants that are booked up till March and April. So it's a very, although we've gone through some really tough times, as everybody has, uh, I, I believe that we live in a strong, we, we, we're part of a very, very dynamic, strong industry that, yes, we're, we're um, vulnerable to a lockdown, but once things are reopened, it, it goes crazy. What, what about the nightlife? Is that opened or, or, or is there restrictions on that? So in, it has opened in some cities, but there are some restrictions in some cities, other cities like Sydney. We have no restrictions now. And, and they're saying that it's irresponsible of the government because the case numbers are growing so fast. But as, our, as the Premier of our region says, we're at 94% and 93% single and double uh, vaccined. And we have to learn to live with it. And there's no closing down. So there are no restrictions here now in Sydney. The stadiums are back. Uh, nightlife is back. But in other cities, in Brisbane, they put masks back on. We don't even wear masks now. So there's nothing. There are no restrictions. It's a little bit like the UK. They took away QR code check-in last week. Masks went last week. A lot of businesses are still doing it, though. We mandated, we started from today, and it's just as a precautionary measure, but we started doing rapid tests before you come into the building for the staff and for the, the clients visiting the showroom. Just as a taking a little bit of precaution, because if there's a case, our business is shut down for two weeks because mm. we all have to go into quarantine. So we started that, that uh, precautionary measure today. And everybody was good with it and everybody actually feels comfortable because they know that we've all done the test in the morning, It's we're all okay, and we'll keep doing it. I said we'll do it through to the end of the year and then we'll reevaluate it in January. What we see in some areas is like buffets are, are almost disappearing or, or has been gone for, for a certain amount of time. How do you see that in, in Australia? Again, different cities are doing different things. In Sydney now, because there are no restrictions, they're coming back. Uh, in Queensland, they're good. They're definitely coming back. There was, I mean, today, the 20th of December, we had four panic urgent orders for chafing dishes. Our sales on chafing dishes have been almost nothing. But then today we got big orders for them. So I think a lot of the hotels are, are getting ready in anticipation of having a busy summer season and they were it was panic stations today we had to ship them all out today okay. so i think buffets will come back but again some people are, are hesitant to go to the buffet do they want it to, like on for instance we're having a function we didn't have a christmas party this year we postponed it till february because we just didn't know what the situation would be in december so i said we'll do a lunch on christmas eve but everybody will be given a tong so we don't cross contaminate tongs because there's So our sales in 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 single serve small tongs have gone like they're probably five times bigger than they used to be. And what some people are doing is they, when you go to a buffet, you get given your own tong, which is quite. I, I think it's quite a good idea because then fifty people or five hundred people are not touching the same utensils. Now, no, no, your creativity is a must in these days. Um... Yeah. So we, we, we see... Uh, and then there are some venues, there are some venues like when we could, before this last lockdown and we could travel freely, I was in Melbourne and they didn't have a buffet going on at the moment, but they brought everything to your table. 
So have you said to them you want a, a continental breakfast? No, you, actually, the way it started was they brought uh, like a high tea stand, a three-tier plate stand with the continental breakfast, and then you could order whatever you wanted. And if you wanted more of that, they would just bring you more of the continental. So, the, yes, their buffets were closed, and I think they're still closed, but then they get imaginative and they, and they do things a little bit differently. Yeah, I've, I've seen it some places when, when you travel you know, over here. And, and as you know, I travel quite a bit in Turkey. Uh, you see like breakfast buffets. It's, it's, it's mended and there's people stationed there. And you just tell them what it is you want and they go and pick yeah. everything. They, they don't want you getting anywhere near it. Um, Bastian, as one of the masters of buffets, um, how do you see it? Well, uh, luckily, uh, uh, we we know, and uh, we were obviously very afraid in the beginning of the pandemic in early 2020 that uh, buffets are about to disappear due to the uh, uh, const constraints uh, that we are facing. But one thing is for sure: buffet has returned, and it will stay. And um, what we have seen that there are, uh, are some changes. Either you have the the surf buffet, like you were. Uh, um, explaining um, Jasper, or uh, you also have the um, being served at the table from a, a big variety of uh, different buffet servings. But what we also see is that buffets are switching to um, single serving options, mono portioning options. So rather than offering one big salad bowl, you offer 30 small uh, uh, bowls, which are pre-filled already. And um, obviously there's, there are many accessories how to make your buffet more safe. Uh, you have uh, touch-free uh, drink dispensers, juice dispensers, coffee urns, where you don't have to touch anything anymore. Uh, so these kind of things are um, emerging currently. And um, basically since May, June this year, uh, we, we got back the shaving dish business and uh, we could see that there's uh, uh, people... Uh, getting back to big banquets uh, where they uh, need to have uh, some shaving dishes. And this has basically uh, been like that all across um, our markets. And um, one, 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 one reason behind is obviously that the buffet itself is a very convenient way of serving for both uh, the operator as well as the guest. The operator can very efficiently serve many, many people at one buffet And the guest uh, can choose different um, different foods, uh, can go two or three times to the buffet. So there are many positive advantages um, of the buffet, which uh, will make sure that the buffet uh, will stay. But, but in general, um, like the question I asked to Colin, um, how, how do you see uh, the impact in, you can say, basically the dark area, which is probably what you see as your home markets, um, and, and what do you hear from around the world? Well, uh, talking about our domestic market, uh, we're currently seeing uh, uh, some parts of, of Germany being uh, close to a full lockdown again, uh, where um, there's little opportunity for hotels and restaurants to operate at all, uh, while there are still other um, regions in, in Germany which are uh, more or less fully open. But of course, with the restrictions uh, in wearing masks, showing your vaccination pass, uh, the COVID certificate, uh, um, not Some areas or some restaurants do not allow more than eight people to, to sit at the table. And this obviously is impacting the business, especially since 
end of November until uh, end of uh, December, where you would normally see a lot of Christmas parties or a New Year's Eve parties, uh, which has always been positively, positively influencing our business, which is not the case for this year. And then, and and then, then if we... And then if we uh, switch back to, to, to other uh, countries, for example, the Netherlands, they have been uh, announcing a, a full lockdown uh, just yesterday with very short notice. Um, and, uh, well, they are supposed to be closed until mid of January. So uh, this will create an, an impact as well. And we've been seeing the uh, Omicron um, variant going up very rapidly in the UK. Um, and we expect... Uh, restrictions coming up there again and then obviously as Colin was saying earlier uh, we start to feel it immediately and but once once the re restrictions are being um, relaxed again uh, we can see see and feel the restart very soon again yeah I, I can fill in from from the Danish point that we basically this weekend um, closed down the nightlife uh, completely um, Restaurants are allowed to be open until 11, um, which means kitchen closes at 10, which, which luckily gives them the possibility to have two servings. Um, we, we have, um, I can say, restrictions on the number of people uh, that can be per square meter in, in the outlets. Um, and and we, we see a huge, huge, very, very rapid increase in the number of, uh, of people infected uh, with the new mutations, uh, which is really causing a, a panic up here. Uh, Saturday, we were about 11,000 infected uh, and with a population of 5.5 million, that, that's that's pretty high. It's a lot. Pardon? It's a lot. It is. And and, and, and we, we, we are, uh, I would say some, some is almost at a state of panic right now. Um, what will happen and, and if you look at the nightlife they have more or less been, been closed for, for almost two years now uh, since uh, no, they, they started the first lockdown in March of last year we had a couple of months this summer with absolutely no restrictions uh, and I think that's paying back a little uh, right now uh, because it's gone really really fast with the new mutation I think it was only late November they discovered the first case um, so uh, it's been extremely fast this has a involved um so uh, so in that sense um I, i don't know about your your guys but um we have seen uh and it's quite a funny to me as, as an old uh waiter apprentice back from the days where we used uh, covers on the plates um where we've seen we that nothing in stock so okay i think it's amazing that that you see these belts coming back the, these um Now, do you see any other new trends specifically coming or retro trends coming back from all of this? Well, I mean, as I said, for instance, I have found that a lot of the venues are stepping up their offering and they want to have something better and different. We've had our better quality front of house product in, in crockery and glassware, the higher end stuff, is growing at, at a rate that we it's unprecedented what we're selling. So I think that the trend, as I said before, is about mixology and cocktails, and a lot of people are doing that because they realise they can make money on that. And cocktail glass sales are, are, are from another planet. 
the, the volume that we're selling is it's it's remarkable that we've got stock in some brands, but but one thing that we did as a business is that when we went into the second lockdown, we just kept increasing our stock levels because we knew that. Well, I made that decision that that we knew once things got better, whether it was one month or four months, once things started again, we needed to be on stock. We needed to we needed to have good stocks. And we, we built our stocks over um, July, August, September so that coming into this period we could deliver at a reasonable – we're out of stock of some items, but we're still delivering 90-plus percent, which on, on 9,500 items in Australia is pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. Bastian, what do you see? Do you experience something new coming or retro coming back? Well, you were mentioning the covers and Colin was already mentioning uh, the, the tongs and tweezers uh, for self-service at the buffet. Um, I fully agree with these trends. Apart from that, what we are seeing is that uh, uh, some venues are switching to self-service. Um, so we've been seeing a good demand in self-service trays uh, where there's an um, access point, like something like a buffet to take away your food and bring it to your table. Obviously, this is something... Um, more or less uh, um, referring to the low end to medium end um, restaurants or hotels, but that has certainly uh, been uh, coming back, um, especially since the, the first lockdown from last year, where, for example, in Germany, restaurants were closed for six or seven months. They were really losing um, many of their employees and they were not able to get them back once the market um, restarted. So they had to find a way on uh, reducing their, their human resources to be still to be able to um, uh, run their, their businesses. So that's something we've been uh, seeing, for example. Um, there, there is one point which is very difficult to avoid when, when we talk about global uh, horeca uh, and the COVID. Um, this is, um, you say, uh, the rise in the cost of doing business. Uh, both for, as a manufacturer and, and also as a dealer um, and, and the difficulty of, of getting items, getting products. Um, and and um, we now see a huge inflation starting moving. Um, as far as I've been told that in, in the US it was 6.8% um, in, in November alone. And as far as I can find out, um, and this, this might now see, might not seem like a high figure, but for Denmark, 2.4% in inflation uh, we have seen here uh, in, in September, uh, October, um, which, which is really high. And, and we, we see a, a major growth in, in, in the pricing, uh, in the cost, uh, and in, also in the problems of getting products from point A to point B. Um, now, um, how, how do you guys see it now the, in, in your parts and, and in your businesses. Bastian, maybe you should start this time. Yeah, well, uh, talking about inflation, um, I, just yesterday night I came to recognize that in Germany in November there has been an inflation rate of 5.2%, which is uh, 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 very high uh, from our standpoint. And uh, basically this very well reflects on what we were facing in the past seven or eight months. Um, so we've been having a, a decent... Uh, um, yeah, cost increase across all our product categories. Uh, um, 
as our product for portfolio is uh, being built up from different materials, uh, there are price increases from only three up to 55, 60% um, by now, which uh, basically result um, are, are due to the, to the increase in raw materials on the one hand side, but also in the uh, increase of energy uh, costs. And um, of course, for the products coming uh, from, uh, from across the ocean, um, the, the costs of uh, sea freight, which has really been impacting um, our uh, cost structure. Colin, how do you see things? Basically, it's the same. I mean, we, we have, there is no stability with pricing. A lot of the manufacturers now say they either give you no notice period or they say the prices are going up in three months instead of once a year. We used to have yearly increases. Now we're getting, especially from glass manufacturers, we had October and January, 18%. Every single supplier is increasing prices. But the way I look at it is it is what it is. We know the increases are, are legitimate. It's not like people are gouging at our level or at our supplier level. They're not gouging. I think the energy companies are making a lot of money and I think the shipping lines are definitely making a lot of money. That's been very well documented that I think it was in Q1 they made $22 billion. Um, I think they are definitely gouging because their service is horrific now, bad, and yet their rates are 10 times more than we used to pay, literally 10 times. But it's it's the same for everybody. So our strategy has been that we did, we have done smaller increases more often rather than doing a, a 30, 40, 50% increase. I don't think we'd have to go 50, but I think 20 to 30% is reasonable. When a, when a manufacturer goes up 18% and then you have the additional freight costs, that's already around 25 to 30%. Our strategy has been we did a small increase in July. We did another increase in November, which we've never done something so quick. We did about, I think it was 8 we did 8%, then we did another 9.5%, and then in March we'll do another 9.5%. Okay. And the prices are the prices. Uh, our competitors have not, they've done one increase of 3%. So if they, and another competitor didn't change their price. One of the glass competitors went up 30%. But I think that, and our strategy is, rather than doing big increases in one go, for our distributors and for the end user to be taking uh, an 8 to 10% incre increase and gradually increasing the price is, is, more, is less of a hit to them. If they were paying $2 and then they go to $220, and then 250 and then 280 that's more palatable over a nine month period i think that's more palatable palatable than going from $2 to 280 in one go or $2 to 260 in one go so our our strategy is that we we're doing smaller increases often but it is what it is <clears throat> we have no choice i'm not going to we're not going to not increase prices we increased them in november we've never done that ever in 25 years, we have never done a price increase in November. And I said, we don't have a choice. Our costs have gone up on some products 20 30%. Do you see this continue in 2022? Or? We, so I think the biggest challenge that we face as far as the supply chain is that we are now ordering stock, and we have been since November, 
for May to August deliveries. And that's, and that's never happened. We've never been in a situation that we were ordering eight months out or nine months out. So the fact that we're ordering so far in advance, I can't see, I can't see costs coming down anytime soon. Maybe on the shipping there'll be some reduced costs because there's talk that sometime in the, in the next year it will reduce. But as far as the manufacturing costs go, I, I can't see it happening anytime soon. Everybody's complaining whether it's stainless steel, melamine, glass, porcelain, uh, polycarbonate, polyethylene, polypropylene, all plastics, every single supplier is complaining about it. So that's not going to fix itself quickly if it ever does. I think the only, the only respite we could possibly have is that on the shipping costs might go down, possibly. How do you see it, Bastian, for 2022? Well, um, I agree with, with what Colin had to say. And I think that there might be a chance that uh, sea freight will uh, go down again. But one thing is sure, it will not go back to the level of 2019. Uh, so it will reduce, I, I agree. But uh, uh, we will still have face very high sea uh, freight costs, which are still four or five times of what we used to pay yeah. in uh, uh, 2019. So there might be a small relaxation expected there. And then, well, one thing we have learned during the pandemic is that forecasting is going to be uh, uh, very challenging. Uh, and um, we, one thing which is uncertain from our perspective is what is about to happen with the demand in our market in Q2, uh, second quarter of 2020 and third quarter of 2023. Uh, because we, we all have been having these major uh, price increases Will the market, the, the, the distributor uh, and the final user, will he be able to consume on that pricing level as much as he did prior to the crisis? And I think this brings a lot of uncertainty, uncertainty to, to our business um, for the middle of next year. And if that happens and, and demand goes down, there might be another chance of seeing reduced costs jumping to something different can i can i just stop yeah. one thing for one sec i think what's quite interesting and that's why a lot of the venues i see are improving their quality of product is that all of their costs are increasing we hear that their their food costs are going up drastically and so what i feel a lot of people are doing is they're buying better product with longevity so that they don't have to go and replace it in three or six months And I think that will be a possible benefit to our business and yours also, Bastian, because you sell a good quality product, that the repeat business might not be as much, but the level has improved. I, I really believe that. I had a, had a talk with, with uh, one of them, you can say, um, the old mastodons in the industry here in the Nordic region. Um, and, and he quoted me some, some old, really old phrases uh, where he said, you know, in times of crisis, people like to pamper themselves, which means yeah. it also goes for our industry where you know, people, they want to go out, people want to socialize, people want to meet, and they're willing to pay. And when you have a tough life, you've been isolated, you know, you're living under heavy restrictions, you want to pamper yourself to the better part of, of the offering, uh, and they're going for that. Um, and 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 for us as quality lovers, um, this this is good news. Um, 
Another good news for me, being heavily involved in sustainability. Uh, I, I don't know how you see it, but what I see uh, is, despite everything that's been going on for the past year and a half, two years, we have seen a huge increase in the interest of sustainability and circular economy, uh, also in the industry. Uh, how do you guys see it, Bastian, as a producer? Well, obviously, that's, this has been one of the mega trends uh, which have been around for quite a while now. Um, and it has definitely been on the radar screen uh, for all the uh, people being involved in hospitality industry. And we see um, uh, a, well, dramatic or a fast turnaround in the industry of one-way uh, use products. Um, currently, there have been concepts like recup and rebowl uh, um, around who are now gaining a big share of the markets where you switch for takeaway food to multi-use products that um, our strategy in um, offering um, solutions for the market is that our products um, are superior in terms of the uh, durability and the superior uh, product lifetime. And um, that's why we are focusing on many durable materials like uh, uh, melamine, uh, for example, which has a much longer uh, uh, lifetime than any porcelain or uh, crockery product. And apart from that, it has much less uh, energy consumption during its production process. What do you see, Colin? We don't really play in the, in the consumable space, but what I see in the market is that there are some companies that are still very focused, more focused now on sustainable products, and there's a switch from using a plastic disposable single-use container to a bamboo product or other materials that have been used. But some people just don't care. They want it that they don't have budget to spend on anything and they want the cheapest. But there is definitely in Australia it's use plastic ban is growing. Many states in Australia nothing single use is allowed okay. in plastic. But we don't really play in that space, as I don't think APS also plays in that space. Okay. We don't. But, but there is definitely, like, we're doing a drive now. We're trying to change all of our packaging, the, the materials that our products are packed in. So we're, we're not using uh, poly bags the way we used to. We've moved to paper instead of plastic packaging. We're trying to do that. But there's also pushback from our customers because it doesn't look as nice. So there's a, I think there's a challenge there. I think that we're just going to keep working with our partners and suppliers to improve the way that the goods are packed because there's a lot of wastage. You think about cutlery, and we sell millions of pieces of cutlery a year. Every single piece is wrapped in a plastic bag. Terrible. So we are working quite, quite extensively to find solutions and they, a lot of the factories can find solutions, but they either can't get, and this is a problem in general with anything sustainable or organic or not mass market, they can't get the supply. There isn't, there isn't a massive supply chain of that eco-friendly product. So what that does is it makes it cost prohibitive. And, and, and that, that's a common complaint of the, especially on cutlery, of the, of the suppliers. 
So we, we, we'll continue to work on that. And, and I think it's very important that as, as importers and globally, we need to work on that. Because you don't need you don't need every single piece of everything packed in a plastic bag. You don't. No. In, in the Nordics, as you know, we, we are uh, very often the front runners when it comes to the environment. Uh, and we see uh, now um, new legislations being imposed by the governments uh, with uh, point system um, for the industry, uh, for the operators and the producers of um, you know, implementing green measures, circular measures. We also see more and more very large companies uh, imposing rules that their employees are not allowed to stay at hotels that has not got a green strategy um, or wow. even restaurants. Um, and, and, and it's all due to the new taxes that is being imposed uh, in, in the individual countries on the green footprint. Uh, no, and and um, they are being judged on the CO2 footprint, on the carbon footprint. Um, is that something you, you, you see in Australia or in Southeast Asia in general? No. no, they talk about it and they talk about this zero emissions and by 2050, we should have zero emissions. But a lot of people are saying that to get to, to, to go with renewable energy, the emissions are worse than coal. So who knows what to believe, but there, there's definitely talk about it and, and yeah, but our customers aren't interested. Our customers are not focused. I believe that that people are, are more worried about the price increases coming from the product and they don't want another increase based on on being green. I think that that's something that people in a, in a perfect world say, yes, we need to be green and we need to reduce our carbon footprint. For instance, when we book any travel with the, with the airlines, you can book, I'm sure they have it in Europe, where you pay a, a dollar or $2 to have carbon offset. I say in our company, we do it on every single flight because $1 or $2 is nothing for us. It's irrelevant. But I, I don't think that, I, I just don't think that people have the headspace to now worry about another cost that they're going to have to pay. How do you see this, Bastian? Well, uh, in some areas, I really feel that uh, uh, the pandemic has been slowing down the developments in, yeah. in, in this area because, as Colin was saying, many of the op operators had to cut down costs. And it's for sure that the uh, uh, running a sustainable business is um, more costly uh, uh, than <laughs> doing it the other way. Um, but we... We feel that we are in need to uh, adapt uh, the way we run our business. And it starts with having company cars who, uh, uh, who do, not, do no longer use benzene or diesel. Uh, we have hybrid cars or electric cars. starts with no longer using polybag, uh, bubble foil, and things like that. It starts with uh, buying um, green uh, transportation logistics. Uh, so where trying to make small changes all across our supply chain. Um, but for, for some products and some sub supply chains for these categories, it will be hard to uh, make them uh, zero emissions. My, my last point um, I, I want to talk to you about is, is the ambient affair itself, of course. Um, you know, uh, and, um, you know, 
we 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 all hope to meet up, and I, I personally I hope to welcome both of you at uh, the Horeca Academy at Ambiente in February, um, where we will actually do some talks about exactly the points that we have been talking about today, which I'm looking forward uh, to do. Um, but how do you guys see the fair? What what do you see coming? What do you what can people expect? What do you think? How do we see it in general, Bastian? You are closest to the fair. Uh, you are almost next door. Um, how do you see it? Well, um, it will certainly be a different show than uh, the previous years. Uh, well, we expect uh, less international travels, talking about people coming from outside Europe uh, to, to, to attend the show. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that uh, those exhibitors who, who will be there, who uh, still believe in the concept um, of, the, of trade shows, of international trade shows, that they um, will show a good level of product innovation and service updates because I feel that many of our uh, uh, fellows in, in the industry are really eager to, to meet up on an international level again. We all had some domestic shows uh, um, in the past three or four months. There was the host show, the CNH in Lyon uh, uh, in late September, but none of these shows really meets the international, international level of ambientes. So um, we expect uh, uh, to see many product innovations and also uh, uh, some updates in terms of digitalization, service updates coming from the uh, manufacturers. Colin. We're booked. It's a, it's a reduced team. Usually we travel four or five of us. Uh, we decided uh, to be responsible that only three of us will go. I said we can make a decision up until the day before departure and it will all depend on... on how the situation is in, in Europe, in Germany. We were going to do a little bit of a bigger trip, but if we go, we decided we'll just do Frankfurt and then come back. We won't do any of the other countries. We're expecting a lot of innovation because there's been nothing for two years. Mm. And, and a lot of our suppliers, especially the ones that are in part retail, part horeca, they're booming. So they're not struggling. They're okay. Um, and they're, they're working on innovation. So we're expecting a lot of innovation. We're expecting an exciting show if we can go, if it's going to happen. I, I personally don't think it's going to happen. That's my gut feeling. I think that I think this year they're going to say that there's too many cases. They should, I think they'll post, they might postpone it. I don't know if it would work like that. In, that's what they did in Sydney. We had our show for September. It was postponed till March. We're ready. We just want to get on a plane. So, I haven't been overseas for two years. So it's like, you know, really want to get out. Jack, yeah. want to get out. So yeah. now I'm letting and you know, the, the, the other thing is, and, and one of our strategies for our exhibition in March is it's we've changed our, our, our booth. It's not so much about the product, and we will have product on there, but it's more about re-engaging with people, having that face-to-face. -face. This, this way of communicating now is because we're forced to do that. But if we're not forced to do that, I want to sit at a table with somebody and have a coffee and have a chat. That's what everybody wants to do. That's yeah. why the restaurants are busy. Yeah. So our, our strategy for our exhibition is more about re-engaging with people at that face-to-face -face level. And I think that Frankfurt will be like that, but it will be different. It will be a different experience. No. 
I've, I've, I've said to many people when, when I talk to people around the world, I think we need to forget the old normal we had before COVID. What we are facing is a new normal. Um, but what I do feel right now, which which probably is the first time with my more than 20 years in the industry, is the joy of the people in, in our industry to meet and talk. Yeah. Basically just to meet and socialize and talk. Uh, now we, we all love to talk either of the products we produce or the products we sell. Um, but here it's, it's very much about the social part. Now listening mm -hmm. to people, their experiences around the world. And uh, now I'm optimistic. Uh, I, I truly believe we will see uh, ambient happening. Uh, I, I, I really do. Um, and, and I think that one of the key points of, of the fair this year is going to be, of course, innovations, sustainability, but also the social part. I think that's going to yeah. be a huge, huge thing. Um, last, I have the million dollar question. You know, uh, when, 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 when do we settle into, no, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not going to use the normal term because I think those days are gone. Now, before COVID is gone, we are facing a new reality. But, but when do you think, now it's a million dollar question, I know, but when do you think we settle into some kind of normal? Um, Bastian, what, what do you think? Very challenging question. Uh, it is. But, uh, uh, well, from, from, from my point of view, we will be having, again, a, a very uh, decent uh, spring and summertime uh, for next year where we expect business at least to be on the level of uh, 2021, um, especially since now everyone in all areas of the supply chain of our business is being prepared for what might happen uh, when the next restart is about to come in March or April next year. Um, so this will help to do more business than last year because everyone was kind of surprised about the continuity um, of the restart. Um, well, but talking about a, a new normal or the future normal, I'm not a scientist uh, to, to really see and understand how uh, COVID is about to develop. Uh, and now with the increase of Omicron, uh, this is again increasing the level of uncertainty in our uh, business. So my our short-term goal is uh, uh, a more normal spring and summertime uh, 2022. And we expect to get a better winter season, which is also important for, for Europe. Uh, if you do business in Germany, Switzerland, Austria, uh, for all the skiing areas, um, to get a better winter than this year. Colin, your guess. I always said at the beginning of the pandemic that I didn't expect whatever was going to happen it was 23 or 24 because things have to settle down. We have to learn to live with it and we have to learn to, to find new ways to, to, to treat the, the sickness or the virus. And I think that takes time. Nothing happens in, in six months or a year or two years. It's, it's, it's a lot of trial and error and it's not going to just be the vaccinations. One of the reasons that, I think there's more treatments now that they're using combinations of medications to to improve the recovery. And I think that it's just going to be, it, it will take time. There's so many different theories out there that who knows, who knows. But I feel that I think 22 is going to be uh, a year of reconditioning us that 
it's okay that we need to go and get a booster every five months. And that's why if that, that keeps on that pace, then 23 will start seeing more freedoms globally. Yeah. And probably 2022 will be another year of uh, roller coasting. Yeah. yeah. Because we need to be conditioned. There's, a, there's, a quite a, there's quite a movement here to get the third vaccine, but there's also quite a movement here. People are scared and they say, why do we have to go after five months to get the, the third vaccine? And I think, as I said, I think once people are comfortable with the fact that the vaccines are okay, you get a booster and you just it protects you. I think that then people will get into the habit of feeling more comfortable that if there's 10,000 cases a day, who cares? Gentlemen, it's been an extreme pleasure reconnecting with you guys. Um, it's been way too long uh, and I thank you for your time. Um, Thank you, wise words, uh, uh, and I can only say I, I truly hope that we can make face to face very soon. Have a cup of coffee and a and a chat. Um, any final words to people listening? Stay confident. Good word. That's good. And, and take it as it is. Yeah. We Colin? will not say, change the circumstances we live in. Yeah. I agree with that. Isn't that? There are a lot of things we can't change, so you just have to go with the flow and realize that we are a strong industry that always bounces back. Yeah, and I agree with what Colin uh, said right at the beginning of uh, um, our little get-together. We, we are working and living in a very resilient industry, and that's 100% true, yeah. luckily. Nice words, gentlemen. Again, thank you very much. Stay safe. Have a a very happy Christmas and a great new year, a safe new year uh, to you and your families. Um, looking forward to see you guys in February. Thanks, Jesper. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Stay safe. Bye -bye.